people. Hello, my friends, and welcome to No Normal People. I'm your host, Stephen Henning. And I'm your exhausted host, Dixie Lee Henning. You're the exhausted host. This week has kind of run a number on you, hasn't it? I am exhausted. Stephen woke me from a nap to come goofy. record this. But like the Chilean miners. We've made that joke emerging already. Emerging from the... Okay. We can't, we can't make that joke twice. Without the ash to rise from, the phoenix is just a bird getting up. Thanks, Schmidt. Or if you're Dixie... You're just getting off the couch from a nap. Yep. Why does your rib cage have give? You're quoting New Girl some more? Yeah. Okay. Well, welcome to No Normal People. This is a podcast where we prove that the more you get to know the normal people in your life, you discover that there really are no normal people in your life. Couple of things at the top of this episode before we get into our interview with Cam DeMars. First, we are doing a free sticker giveaway. If you would go ahead and fill out a quick little Google Forms survey that I've developed, go to our website, www.nonormalpeople.com. Just go to the homepage. There's a link for that. The link is also all over social media. Fill out that survey, and as a thank you, we would love to send you a free sticker of our podcast art and a handwritten note. If you are a graduating senior, either in high school or college, and you are not getting the experience of celebrating with your class. Yeah. We wanted to give you the opportunity to uh, write a little speech and send it in to us through a voice memo or even a video. And we are going to make a special episode just for the seniors that are graduating so that they get to experience some sort of celebration with the end of the year. Yeah, we'll make room for you on the podcast feed. And we'll give you your own little five-minute, six-minute episode, depending on how long your speech is. So you can just share it around and let people know that you are graduating and you're proud of it. Yeah, and be sure to say your name and what school you are or what school you're graduating from. Yes, that is and a good point. And you can send that to... NoPeoplePod at gmail.com. NoPeoplePod at gmail.com. That's what us. You said. And if you have been like a recluse and avoiding all social medias then you have also missed all five of our live episodes. Oh, and they've been so fun. <laughs> the last one was so good. I know. On some of the past episodes we've done live on Instagram and Facebook, we've talked about our favorite movies, mm-hmm. talked about TV shows. Yeah. We have collected new rapid fire questions Yes. from our live community. Yeah, and this last week we talked about our top five favorite books. Oh, it was so good. It was, it was so fun. so good. That was one of my favorites. Yeah. I loved the fact that you brought a stack of exclusively fiction works. Yeah, and I know what I I'm about. brought a stack of only nonfiction. Yeah. That's because I feel joy. Well, so do I. Mm. We balance each other <laughs> out this way. I'll take care of reading the business books yeah, and the self-help. Yeah, you just tell and, me about it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then, and then we share and then we work together. I'm good. I'm good with that. Sounds with so that fun. Deal. Anyway, we have live shows every Sunday at three o'clock. 
p.m. p.m. Mountain Standard Time. No, three in the morning. No. <laughs> Get up and watch it. <laughs> I wouldn't even want to do that for me. Either stay up it's really, mean. really late or get up really, really early. Mm. Or just middle of the afternoon. Come hang out with us. Yeah, that makes more sense. Let's do that. No normal people live. Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Love it. Well, Dixie, on this episode of the podcast, we have our friend Cam Mars. He is someone I met back in my city brew coffee days. Yeah. Back in high school. We all went to Laurel High School, but we didn't yes. go to Laurel High School together. <laughs> yeah. I think it was a couple <laughs> grades behind me. Yeah. So he definitely wasn't in school when I was in school. Man, but even when he was in school, even when he was like a sophomore or junior, mm-hmm. he was so into photography yeah. and film. He did our wedding video. He absolutely did. I forgot to mention that yeah. in the episode. We should probably put that up on our social media. I share it literally every time it pops up on my Facebook memories. Yeah, I think we should throw that up on the No Normal People Facebook. I can do that. I think that would be great. Gotta find it, but I can do it. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> as long as I've known him, Cam has been so into cameras and just shooting beautiful things, whether in stills or in videos. He was very into like skiing videos. Mm-hmm. back when we were in high school. He has since gone to Bozeman to study film at Montana State University, and he has started his own film company called Benchy Creative. So as a part of some of the projects they do in Benchy, uh, they ended up getting big recognition, like Vimeo staff picks and whatnot, for their three-part series called Before Tomorrow. And he invited a bunch of us up to Bozeman for a big premiere event they had at the Rialto Theater there in Bozeman. I said Bozeman a lot just then, didn't I? The Department of Redundancy Department. Oh, and it was just such a fantastic event. It was so cool to see one of my friends create something that got such a big turnout. It was a legit party going on at that premiere. It was awesome. So be sure to check the show notes for links to the Before Tomorrow series by Benchy Creative. I think we're going to get into the interview. We did want to mention that at the time that you and I had set up to record this with Cam... Maybe an hour before you descended into one of the worst migraines you've ever had. Yep. So you it's sat like this, I got shot in the head. Yeah, that was no good. So you sat out this interview. This was me and Cam going solo. And uh, yeah, I think let's just get into it, shall we? Here is Cam DeMars. We're going to kick off with rapid fire questions. All right. Don't think too hard, just from the gut. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. Oceans or lakes? Oceans. Rain or sun? Uh, sun. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Early morning or late night? Late night for sure. Summer or winter? Uh, summer. Beaches or mountains? Beaches right now. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Sunrise or sunset? You could probably guess that one too. Sunset yeah. for sure. Yeah. East coast or west coast? Yeah, I guess I guess West Coast. Sweet or savory? Savory. Do you call it soda or pop? Pop. Hogwarts or the Shire? I think uh, I think that I think Hogwarts. I think Okay. Yeah, I got to go Hogwarts on that one. Right on. Pizza or tacos? Tacos. Vanilla or chocolate? Chocolate. Books or movies? Movies all day. Handshakes or hugs? Situationally dependent, but I would say hugs. Introvert or extrovert? Even split? Phone calls or texts? Texts. Okay. That's the end of the rapid fire. So now you can relax a little bit. Some more icebreaker questions, not necessarily rapid fire here. 
Favorite candy? Sour high chews are my go-to. There you go. Without a doubt. Favorite snack? Rice roni. Favorite city? Uh, New York. Favorite smell? Is it cliche to say lavender? Or sagebrush, I think. Mm, favorite TV show? Master of None on Netflix, probably. Oh, that's Aziz Ansari, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's kind of his like TV show loosely based on his life. Excellent. Smartest person you know? Kayla, my friend Kayla, probably. Okay. Is one of the like, closest people in my life, probably, smartest-wise, is yeah. Caleb. Or my mom. <laughs> Do you have a secret talent? Oh, I don't think I have any talents that are secret. Okay. You, you exercise those talents strongly enough that you're not keeping any of those under a bushel. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I got, I'm kind of a one trick pony too. I, I don't, I'm not like, I don't have my uh, irons in multiple fires, oh, I guess. Fair enough. What was your first job? Uh, I worked at a saddle shop in, in Dillon, Montana. That was my first job. I was like 15. Okay. As long as you don't use it today, what was your first email address? <laughs> it was uh, bartdude.bresnan.net. <laughs> I was a huge Simpsons fan. I loved The Simpsons. What was your first pet? My first pet, I think, was a box turtle. Okay. What was its name? Really little. Uh, one of them's name was Snappy, and we got a second one. Creative. And his name was Sarge because his helmet had like a, or his shell had like a bite mark through it. Oh, like wow. Like a dog bit him. And, cool. it, and his shell looked like a helmet, so it kind of looked like a, right on. he got shot. Yeah. So, yeah. One of them ran away. Believe it or not. How does a turtle <laughs> run away? That's a great question. My mom would put them out during the day when it was nice out. Why? And she'd go in and like work what? at the office. I mean, they're turtles, you know, they you wouldn't expect them to move very fast. One of them never moved. Yeah. And uh and he ran away. And then like six months later, uh my grandpa was mowing the lawn and, and we found him. No way. Um Yeah, yeah. yeah. He found sorry. him on the, like by the interstate, like Did, 15 miles from our house. Good gravy. <laughs> and it was still alive. Oh yeah, it's still alive. We like kept him for another three years after wow i guess that kind of spoils my next question was did i mean like i've mowed the lawn before and sometimes i find things only after i've driven over them oh yeah yeah. <laughs> but no, that's not the no, case no. for the turtle that wasn't its fate no no no. <laughs> that's, that's good this is good here's a here's a twist Sorry. on your least favorite question ever what movie would you consider required viewing i think honestly my favorite movie also fits under this and it's a uh, it's a movie called chunking express uh it's just one of my favorite movies because it's a really cool story about like two love stories kind of happening at the same time in hong kong yeah and uh i think it's a must watch it was a really small crew and the guy that shot it and the director kind of just like wrote the script as they shot it and it was super like very creative flow process there wasn't a ton of like planning and and uh super calculated moves in terms of the story or the or the cinematography where they were shooting, they kind of nice. just went out and shot it. And that's like by far one of my most, one of the most inspiring movies I've ever seen. Okay. And I guess for that reason, yeah, it'd, yeah. Probably, be, it'd probably be that. What is the worst fashion trend you've ever participated in? Cargo shorts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What was your first live concert? I think it was a Neil McCoy concert with my dad. I was so little. I was probably like, had to have only been 10 years old or something. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, know the future. What comes to mind when I ask, what is your proudest achievement? I think getting to work toward a goal that I've had since I was very little. Like, I think that's my achievement that I'm still getting to work on it. Okay. I, I've always wanted to be a filmmaker and I'm like still working at that. Yeah. And I can like see progress no matter how slow or how fast like I can see progress. And that to me is like kind of the, the biggest achievement for me is that I've kind of like never 
swayed from that path. Pretty proud of that. Yeah, sticking to it. What are foods you will never eat? Olives. Olives. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Can I cuss on here? Is that is that bad? I'll bleep. Okay. I can bleep. Okay. 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 <laughs> I'm trying to avoid that e tag. Gotcha. Gotcha. What would you eat for your last meal? Mm, sushi. Sushi. You kind of already got into this. My last question here is what did you want to be when you grew up? It was always a filmmaker from eighth grade to now. And I think before then, I kind of like, you know, you're a kid, you kind of explore a lot of other stuff. But oh, yeah, absolutely. like an architect, an architect was in there and just something where you could create stuff. Yeah. It was like my biggest thing. But yeah, kind of always been wanting to make films. Cool. Okay. That's the end of those icebreaker questions. Cam DeMars, thank you for being on No Normal People. I'm very excited for this. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. You and I met working at City Brew in Laurel, Montana. Yeah, what, baby. What a trip of high school jobs those were. <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was the best high school job I had for sure. Oh, me too. So, to be honest, it was my yeah. only high school job that I ever had. I worked there for yeah. five years before I moved on. Yeah. Yeah, you were a veteran. That was a career even when for I, me. Even when I came in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you had some prospects there, man. Good times. Okay, well, anyway, that's where we met, but let's get up to that point. Would you tell us about where you grew up and what your family was like growing up? Yeah, uh, I didn't have like a super exciting childhood, but I definitely, you know, I grew up on a ranch in Dillon, Montana. It was just like super kind of out of the way and mm-hmm. grew up on a ranch family and around the time where I was... In seventh or eighth grade, my mom moved to uh, Billings or Laurel, I guess. It's kind of an outskirt of Billings. Moved there, started to just go to class. And that's kind of a very short and brief story. But uh, I just grew up in Montana my whole life and have kind of just always been lingering here. I go to school now in Bozeman. Sure. So you said your your mom moved to Laurel. Your parents got divorced. What age were you when they split? I was pretty young. I think I was like nine or 10, maybe 11. And dad stayed back on the ranch, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think my dad has moved anywhere from like Dillon or Winifred, Montana. Wow. His whole life. So he's very invested in the cowboy lifestyle and has always had cattle and has always had a ton of dogs and has kind of just always been happy where he was. Right on. So yeah, he he hung out and my mom was, she wanted to move somewhere different. She wanted to get out of, you know, where she grew up. And my mom was like a professional horse rider for a long time and a horse trainer for a long time. And so she kind of traveled all over the country and into all over Canada and stuff, kind of judging horse shows and training horses. Well, what about siblings? Do you have any? Or are you an only? Yeah, yeah. I have a sister. She lives in Helena. She's a lobbyist there at the Capitol. Oh, okay. Right on. So you end up in Laurel, Montana. You start going to high school there. And uh, that's where you and I met working at City Brew. After high school, you already mentioned that you moved to Bozeman for college. Yeah. Are you finished with your degree yet? I actually am done after next week. Yeah. No so way. I'll have, a, I'll have a degree in, in film. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So I'm, I'm already seeing quite a few things snowballing here. So I have, I have a few questions ahead of us, but they're all just kind of going to keep us in this arena of filmmaking that's been uh, sure. part of your life for so long. So yeah. let's start back at the beginning. What inspired you to want to get into film? I think about this a lot, actually, because I get asked the question a lot. It's almost like guaranteed question, like why you got into filmmaking yeah. when you interview for positions at, you know, a rental house or, you know, anywhere. Right. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, I growing up in Dillon, there was very little to do. 
in terms of like, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. You know, you could go outside and obviously there's a ton of stuff to do outside, but like doing stuff with your friends was kind of like few and far between. Yeah. And uh, I had this friend named Devin and his mom worked at the little like two screen theater in Dillon. And some days we would spend all day in there, like running around the theaters where in between movies and like, you know, watching the same movies over and over again. And, and we'd go up to, and that was like long enough ago where that theater was still projecting on 35 millimeter. Wow. So okay. we'd, we'd go up to the projecting room and I'd get to see like all of the, you know, the reels and the feeders for the projector and like get to see the actual like palpable films that were, were coming in. And yeah, I'd do that and turn around and my, you know, my family would go and see like the first Nolan's Batman that came out, stuff like that at the theater. And I think like that's where it like really, really started kind of without me knowing. And then um, I got, I was in 4-H, obviously. I don't think you're allowed to live in Dylan mm-hmm. unless you're in 4-H. And my dad had this old, like the very first Canon Rebel. It was like a 35 millimeter film camera. He, uh, he bought it for just taking pictures when he would go like, you know, up into the mountains and hunting and stuff. Finally, I just kind of like slowly took that camera over. <laughs> I would, you know, I'd take pictures with it for 4-H and stuff and I was using it more than he was. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I, you know, I moved to Laurel and you no, know, just kind of like every other kid, I saved up and bought an Xbox and played the Xbox for a little bit and then was like, well, this isn't as fun as I think it is. And <laughs> I sold the Xbox and bought my own camera, like when digital cameras were now properly a thing. And so I oh, bought yeah. like my first digital camera from selling my Xbox. And then after that, it was kind of just over. Like I've never stopped buying cameras since then. So yeah, it's just a whole spiral of events. So that's kind of the origins of your film interest. Like you said, you've been studying this in college and even through out college, You've been involved in kind of a a startup project with one of your good friends working in Benchy Creative. Would you tell us about how Benchy kind of formed and what you guys do? Yeah. So um, I think kind of like the best reason to go to film school is for meeting people. Kind of like worked out this way. But um, I met one of my really, really good friends now, Caleb uh, Shacoin. And he, you know, we both went through film school together. And I think freshman or sophomore year, you know, everyone that's in Bozeman either skis or climbs or, you know, does something of that matter. <laughs> so, you know, our friend group kind of bonded in film school through skiing. And me and Caleb especially both had like a similar drive to keep being creative and keep making films that you know, we could make at the time with the resources that we had. And so like sophomore, you know, maybe started junior year, we kind of set out to film some skiing with our friend Jake and Cam Daly, which are two of Bozeman's better skiers. Jake especially is kind of making his way into the mainstream, I think. Yeah. But at the time, you know, we were all just going to school and we met through some other friends and we were like, hey, you know, let's go film some skiing for a day. And, you know, we put together a pretty cool or, you know, like a January pow day, like super deep and uh, back behind Big Sky <laughs> and we ended at it and Teton Gravity, which is like a Warren Miller type ski film company, uh, saw the video and reposted it. And from there, it kind of got reposted and reposted and kind of went like sem- like semi-viral, you know, in like a ski community. It went viral enough to, you know, get some eyes on it. And we sold and licensed some of the footage to some companies. And after that, we were like, you know, we're in film school, but we're doing what we want to do already. So, you know, let's keep doing it. And then end of junior year and senior year, we met our other friend, Alex, which um, has had also been doing the same thing me and Caleb were doing, going around and filming his friends doing really cool stuff. And we met up with him and we made this, you know, we had this plan to do like a short three-part series and the series did really well. And we and then we ended up just kind of properly turning Benchy into a company that it is right now. And we've started to get, you know, some more work and traction. And uh, that's kind of just how it started. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you're just getting after it now. 
Okay, there are a few things I want to talk about here with Benji. Uh, first, I want to rewind it a little bit and go to that three-part series. That series was called Before Tomorrow. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. What was it like? Well, okay. So by by the end of the series, you went ahead and premiered. Basically, you, you put up all three on a big screen at the... Was that the Rialto there in Bozeman? Yeah. Yeah. The Rialto Theater. What was it like to do an event like that showcasing your art and the thing that you had been working on for so long? Yeah. I think... You know, before this interview, you asked me to think about like a moment that made me a different person after. Yeah. And I think that has to be one of them. Okay. Because, you know, at a surface level, you know, we're making ski films and we're not making like, you know, climate change documentaries that are, you know, influencing politics or, you know, nothing of that sort. But, you know, we're still like getting a community together and we're still like bringing people a sense of joy and and community to like get together and watch a ski film and get and, you know, get really excited to ski or, you know, to just be a part of something for a night, you know, even that. And seeing that happen and seeing kind of all the work we put in, we shot and edited an episode every single month and released it every single month for three months. So it was a lot of work and to see that not only, but then to see people like it and to see like my family there and 30 to 50 year olds. And then in the bottom, there's like, you know, 18 to 24 year olds like partying in the bottom and everyone was having a good time. And yeah, it was a really cool experience. And it made me just really want to do that for the rest of my life, (laughs) even more. (laughs) It was awesome. I mean, like, okay, so you guys were doing a really good job, especially pushing little clips and trailers of each episode on Instagram. Mm. And I I have to imagine that there is a massive difference between, you know, seeing that your Instagram video is performing at this rate. I have to imagine that it's a little different looking at a number like that on digital media that way compared to like, I remember I was in line waiting for the doors to open. And I remember you walking out of the front doors and the entire sidewalk on our side of the street was packed. Like the line was going around the corner and it was kind of overflowing past the doors pushing beyond and i remember the look on your face when you walked out the front door like this many people are here yeah i'm getting goosebumps just (laughs) you telling me that again it's just it it was crazy because we sold out like so fast and there was still so many people outside and the the line had like gone around the block and i don't know i just you know it made me really love the bozeman community and we want to keep that going and try to do what we can and well, and it definitely feels different when that many people show up with their bodies to support something you've made and something you're proud of. Like, I don't know how many people were there, but you can look at a number maybe 10 times as large on Instagram and not feel the same. I mean, you got goosebumps just now me describing it, but you don't necessarily get the same feeling when you're seeing the counts on your YouTube. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, now we're working with brands that that's a discussion that you have to have a lot. What are the numbers going to look like on this? And that's always something that's really risky. And, and you know, last year we just like struck gold because you know, we got two Vimeo staff picks. And, and, you know, when you get staff picks, your film's on the front page of their website for a little bit and it gets added to a bunch of collections. So we went from a projected like 15,000 views to probably around like 180,000. Gee. Yeah. It's always a conversation that we have to have, but it's also something that I've really come to, like, especially with a lot of the personal projects I'm doing, like that number's become way less important to me now, just kind of as what I want to do than it does, you know, in a business sense. Cause like, you know, you know, you start out and you're kind of like seeking the exposure, you know, you know, you're making stuff and you're like, oh, like, I wonder if they'll like this. And if they like this, you know, I'm going to make something similar, you know, something like that. I think that to me is something I'm trying not to do as much as I can and like finding a healthy middle ground there and, you know, doing stuff that I really think I would like and putting my voice into things that I think making something weird or, you know, doing the no input thing and printing something and 
And then the number, the lower it is, like it still almost gets more valuable because I make a, I make a self-published photo zine and I sell 25 copies of them. That to me is amazing. Those 25 people now have my palpable work in their hands. It's just so, it's, it's so rewarding and I've become less attached to the numbers for sure. Let's talk about the business side of Benchy a little bit because I'm curious. When you were dreaming of being a filmmaker, did you have any idea that this much business work would be attached to it? Or did you think you would just be behind a camera 24-7? I I would say like pretty soon into college, I realized like how much stuff there already is to deal with on the business side of things. And yeah, I I mean, that's everyone's dream. And I'm still like, that's the whole reason me and Caleb started Benchy is so we can, you know, we can work on our own terms and eventually work on the projects that we want to work on and pick and choose from projects that we want to work on versus projects we don't. And so the whole goal of Benchy from the start was to make on our own terms, create on our own terms. And, but you know, to get to that point, yeah, there's a ton of business, there's a ton of give and take. And, you know, I'm not one to say that we're not going to shoot this or something if it makes sense business wise. There's a certain point like, you know, we're in Montana and if we get a big client that we get along with and the job is going to cover costs and we still get to go and shoot something really fun and, you know, it's it's a win-win. And, you know, it's not like the short film indie feature that I want, but it's, you know, it's every time we get a job, I get really fortunate that we get to do it every time like no matter what it is. Well, I mean, so so to keep it on the business side, I think I heard you say you guys actually have an office now. Yeah, yep, as of last summer. Yeah, which was not true when you started. Obviously, you're starting kind of in bedrooms and basements and all this stuff. What's it like to be someone like your name is on a lease for an office space? <laughs> yeah, it's it's really <laughs> cool. It's really awesome. And it also gives us a place to kind of just store everything because, you know, as things grow and we grow, we get a lot more stuff and yeah, yeah. We have two like huge editing setups now in one of the rooms and, you know, we have a gear room and two giant whiteboards and stuff and, you know, a little too much to cram in an apartment now, you know. So. And do you technically have employees at this point? Right now, we basically hire per project. So contracting. So far, it's me, Caleb and our friend Charlie on the LLC running the show. And then our friend Alex, of course, is like basically been the most one of the most integral parts of the company he's a huge part of the team but yeah we've started to hire more people per project and which is really sick to be able to hire some of your friends and work with your friends what i love about this entire project is that you started going to school for film and you recognize that you didn't have to wait to be through school to start a business venture like this yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm studying this already, so why not just get into it? Yeah, definitely. I also was just scared. Before I left for college, you know, my dad told me, he's like, you got to get another degree. You know, what are you doing? And that to me was like pretty disheartening, but also pretty scary. This could be a total waste of time and money and I could come out of it with nothing. And so like from the minute I got there, I was like, well, I'm not going to let that happen. You know, I'm going to take advantage of where I am and the resources I have. You know, there's so many amazing faculty at MSU and it's so easy to just like coast through that program. But every chance I had, you know, I was checking out cameras under school projects, but then in reality, using the gear for my school projects, but also personal projects after I would shoot those. And and then, you know, reaching out to professors about internship advice and calling alumni like, you know, I got I just didn't get anywhere with some of my professors once and and called some alumni and ended up getting an internship last year in L.A. because of it. And so, yeah, like from the get go, I've just been really scared of of failing. <laughs> so it's just kind of always been a driver. And your dad's comment kind of fueled your motivation in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Um, yeah. I think about that comment a lot, actually. A lot. Oh, I mean, I, I, I don't see how you couldn't yeah. and that, and, and, <laughs> think about and, yeah. that comment And, you know, we talked about the premiere and that, that was even sweeter to me because my dad was there and I was kind of like, you know, 
look at this, you know, like this is look what yeah, I did. This is, this is possible to do for a living. And we're, you know, we're on our way to do it. So that was also a very pivotal moment for me. Yeah. So speaking of, you know, you can make a living off of this. Now that you're done with the, the actual college work as of next week, kind of opens you up a little bit more to, you know, either keep going at the grind at Benchy or doing something else. So you mentioned LA already. Obviously, we all know that LA is pretty much the hub for a lot of film, you know, Hollywood, all this. Yep. Yep. The epicenter. <laughs> so do do you think moving to the epicenter is in your future or are you going to be with Benji for a while? Yeah. It's funny you bring that up because it's basically the question that I get asked all the time. <laughs> I've always wanted to be a cinematographer. Again, that's kind of the reason me and Caleb started Benji is to become what we wanted to become and what we've always wanted to be in terms of working. And so I've always wanted to be a DP or a cinematographer. And so, yeah, I, I still have my eyes on going out to LA kind of within the next one to two years. I interned at a rental house last year that, you know, handles pretty big features in TV and, and commercial. And I got a taste of that last year and have been thinking about it a lot since then. Mm, okay. Um, but I also want to make sure that I play it smart because you can move to LA and, and kind of get into the climb of getting to where you want through kind of traditional LA things. You know, like if you want to be a cinematographer, there's a lot of ways to do it, obviously, from what I have gleaned. But, you know, one of them is like working in a rental house and working your way all the way up the camera department, which can take, you know, years and years and years. So I think what I'm fortunate with Benchy is, is, you know, I can put that one to two years instead of a rental house into my work at Benchy and kind of just come to LA with that DP mindset and DP credit kind of already attached to me if things keep going well. And for me growing up here and being in such a small town and I've always wanted to leave. It's always been my goal is to leave and to have a life somewhere else for a while. Because, you know, I mean, you look at my family and no one has, no one's left here. And that to me is, is kind of scary to me in a way for me. I don't, I can't really explain why, but I've always wanted to live somewhere else and be somewhere else for a while and experience, you know, some places rich as the West coast or the East coast is like just a dream to me, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, film is obviously a passion of yours. Are there any other things that you just do for fun that aren't necessarily related to uh, film or photography or anything like that yeah it's it's weird because you know i'm honestly a pretty boring person outside of uh outside of my film endeavors like it's just kind of consumed my whole life a little bit but yeah well and you've managed to marry so many of your interests company makes ski films and you're a bit of a ski bum yourself yeah or i you started <laughs> out as one <laughs> i don't know oh, now okay fair enough <laughs> yeah no i i love skiing and i like to build bikes like i built a i'm big into fixed gear cycling. I love that. And I still try to take photos as much as I can. And, you know, I like to keep busy and stuff. I started going to the gym and stuff. And yeah, that's about it though. You know, so much of my personality and everything is very tied to film. So, which, you know, I don't, I don't mind, you know, it's not, I'm not out really seeking new hobbies because I think the one I have right now is pretty consuming. So. Thank you for listening to No Normal People this week. If you like what you're hearing, the best place to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts or our Facebook page where you can leave us a five-star rating and a one or two sentence review to help other people find the show. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NoPeoplePod. That's K-N-O-W People Pod. Also be sure to use our hashtags, hashtag NoNormalPeople and hashtag KNP. We also started a brand new YouTube channel, so be sure to look for us on there. 
And as a reminder, we have a free sticker giveaway going on right now. Be sure to check out all our social medias or go to www.nonormalpeople.com and there on the homepage, find a link to a Google form survey. And with that, let's go back to the interview with Cam. Okay. Well, so I don't want to put it, let's bring it down a little bit, but I'm curious to ask maybe a a couple more heady or maybe heavy topics, depending on the answers here. Yeah, sure. You you already kind of hinted at one. This was a question I kind of prepped you for before we started Mm -hmm. recording. Is there a specific before or after moment in your life that you remember that changed you as a person? You mentioned the film premiere already, kind of that moment when you realized that oh, like this is something that I could do professionally. Yeah, I think for a career thing, that that was huge for me. But I think more personally, mm-hmm. like my mom got remarried last summer, I think, or two summers ago. Oh, okay. And that to me was like one of the best moments I've experienced because, you know, my mom moved Laurel by herself um, mm-hmm. in search of a better life and a, a fresh start. She moved her elderly grandparents out there with her to take care of them and has been taking care of them and has bought businesses and flipped them and bought a house and flipped it and has been working like so, so hard her entire life and has always had like this insane work ethic and has always uh, on the same time, like, and there be every single moment that I needed her and living with her and seeing her struggle and, and trying to be there for her as much as I could. And kind of us just kind of being a team has always been something that has like not been consuming, but, you know, been on the forefront of things and you know, seeing her meet someone like um, Joe, which is her husband, that is always there for her now and is now taking care of her and, and, you know, they're happy together. And my mom is, you know, you can just see it, you know, you can see it on her face, like how much has been kind of lifted from her shoulders. And, you know, they started another company together that's doing really, really well now. And so, you know, my mom's always been like such a business person. I talk to her daily about our business and, and it's, you know, I'm sorry, I keep looping back to business, you know, to be honest, like inch families are are founded on that. They're, you know, they're founded on working. Oh yeah, absolutely. Ranchers and farmers are entrepreneurs at heart. Yeah. And everything that revolved around our family was for work or, you know, stuff like that. And that's just like a value that I came to really appreciate and that I maybe didn't get as much of as like my mom did. Yeah. So that's, that's just kind of always been there. And so it's really yeah. nice, but it was really nice to see mom kind of find someone and, and now she has, you know, kind of a teammate and and they're, they're really happy together. So that for me was like huge because it was like, wow, things are really starting to turn up. And, you know, we've had some some family discrepancies and all that jazz. So, you know, there's a lot of that stuff that was lifted from my shoulders and just seeing her more happy and more free to do stuff she likes. You know, she likes going to bar and stuff. So that to me was like a pretty big moment to see. Yeah. And she and she doesn't have to be the, the caregiver anymore. Like she's she's allowed to be taken care of. Yeah, she's allowed you know. to take a day off and, you know, go and you know, do something, go to a farmer's market or something. And, you know, when I come home, you know, we get to, you know, we went to a farmer's market or we went into Billings and just kind of like, you know, dinked around and stuff. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm getting to spend more time with my mom now as a friend. Wow. Okay. And an adult. And that to me is like huge. So, so cool. That's a, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. That's a really special moment when you realize that your friend or your parents are becoming your friends. Yeah, exactly. And they're less of that authoritarian voice in your life. Yeah. And now they have, you know, they have advice to give. They have 
Yeah. You know, maybe like some, maybe some direction for you. Yeah, exactly. It's not like, oh, who are you going to take to prom? It's not like that. It's not, it's not that advice yeah. anymore. You know, it's like, wow, what am I, you know, what should I do for this major career decision? Like, do I move? Do I not move? Stuff like that. And uh, right. it's also been really cool to like, just talk to my mom about what she went through when I was too young or naive to like realize, oh you know, like gosh. you don't even yeah. understand how adult your parent, like, you know, anyone who's had parents that have had you at a young age, like think of the stuff that you do not know at like, <laughs> right. at like 18 yep. to 22 and your parents had you when they were like 21 to 22 <laughs> they were years parents old. at that yeah. time. So like, I don't know, getting to hear <laughs> kind of what my mom has done in her life yeah. and kind of get her very real, like no bull take on it was like really, really, it is always really refreshing and I always kind of seek it out. I guess that's, that's my answer to that question. <laughs> that's so good. I love that. Okay. I'm curious, how would you describe your spirituality today compared to your childhood? Mm. That's that's a hard one. I uh, was raised Catholic. Uh, my dad's side, I think, was the main driving force on that. I'm not entirely sure. Okay. But super Catholic. I think, though, like my parents started dying out on organized religion pretty soon into me and my sister growing up. Okay. So, like, you know, I remember going to church like on Sundays when I was pretty little. As you know, both of us got older and got into public school and stuff. It like very quickly diminished you know it's kind of like the it was soccer games on sunday instead of <laughs> you know yeah stuff sure. like that you know? yep yep um, yep yep. yeah i don't know religion has never sought a huge place in my life i'm pretty agnostic i like to say to people like i'm not saying that there's no god or i'm not saying that there is no god or there is a god i don't like to rule any of them out and i just it's never been a mo- you know you probably can speak to this some people really look to that, look to religion as a way to get motivated or kind of seek to deal with their issues. And I think that's totally justifiable and totally good. And and it's just, I have a different way of finding my motivation and finding ways to deal with what's going on in my life. And, you know, I, I do think about it quite a bit, just pondering stuff and is religion right for me though, if I did decide to, you know, work towards, you know, seeing and maybe believing in something. But yeah, I don't know. It's just it's always been such a weird place for me. Like I've I've never like started out in the huge like super saturated part of it. I've never, you know, <laughs> gone super far to the other side and been like there is no god and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't know. Kind of holding that middle pretty well. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, if there's a problem, sure. If I can find a solution, I can find a solution. If if I can't, I I, I move yeah. on and I deal with it how I need to deal with it. It's it's and right. I feel like Well, know, I think I think it's a pretty common experience, at least that I've heard, especially people being raised Catholic. It's like religion and spirituality feels so uh, rules focused and like behavior based. Mm. Also, it becomes pretty tribal yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah. Like, I was never. There's us over here and then there's the Protestants yeah, yeah. over there. And I always hated there's that. there's the Muslims. Yeah, I always hated that. I think my experience with spirituality now and, you know, part of my Christian faith Definitely being raised on a lot of rules. Obviously, we have things that are prized as the epitome of moral law, like the Ten Commandments and all that. But I think the older I've gotten, the more my faith and the more my spirituality has become about, I don't know, I like to put it in terms of resonance. What my faith offers me is more of like a base note to the rest of the world. Like there's some sort of foundation here, even putting it in terms of science. And this can get kind of slippery and start sounding like the God of the gaps (laughs) theory, like 
oh, it must be God if we can't understand sure. it with science, but like, what the heck is dark matter? Yeah. And is it matter or is it not? And like, what's keeping this whole thing yep. together? What kind of resonance does the universe want to want to find for us? You know, and I think when we have moments of pleasure or moments of like, true deep love with the parents you grew up with and that are now becoming your friends or even the that moment that you realize the art you created is exciting other people like they're excited about what you made and you have that really deep sense of connection with another yeah. person you know like it's it's hard for me to look at another human being and not see more than just a bunch of cells working together sure definitely um, and like yeah to, to that's, create that's like, totally valid so I, I think in a way like everything is spiritual to a degree because there are things that seem to transcend the earlier stages of things. You know, atoms become molecules and molecules like they're made up of atoms, but they have properties that aren't like atoms. And then molecules become cells and cells are become living things somehow, even though they're just <laughs> a collection of molecules and then yeah. cells can collect themselves into bodies. And then what happens when bodies collect themselves into like we we get societies and yeah. civilizations and things seem to transcend every time we include and combine the lower levels of things i think that to me is what i love to call religion or spirituality so like d does that pardon the pun but does that resonate with you like <laughs> that, do, you, do you feel that same kind of thing you think yeah i do and i talked to you know our friend colin about this yeah because i would like to imagine that like a God and science can coexist. Like I, I definitely love that sure. theory that God created this, but then this is all like linked together through science and biology and all mm. that stuff. Like mm -hmm. I, I like that theory a lot, but uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, every time I talk about religion, it's, it's very like what's out there. What, what's after this? Or, you know, there's always like this talk about, you know, what's at, what's next? Well, I need to do this right now. So I have something that's going to be good for me after. Sure. And yeah afterlife yeah and to me that was always something that i never wanted to think about because you know i mean i mean i'm here now why do i need to worry about the next yeah and i feel like you know if we're talking about the ex the farther side of this is kind of like you know you're so busy living for what you believe in is going to be after mm -hmm. that you're not even going to take up what's now you know kind of thing oh my gosh yes yeah so, that is a completely fair critique yeah and <laughs> what a lot of people fall into. Yeah. And I also, you know, back to kind of the tribal sense of it all, I really yep. experienced a lot of like the religious groups and, you know, you're, you know, you went to public school. It's, it's yep. like public school is made for tribalism. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> so, you know, you'd always see like, there was always this huge disconnect between like the super religious kids and the kids that were weren't in religion or maybe, you know, didn't, hasn't, haven't found it or, or, you know, yeah. maybe, you know, there was someone who came from a less fortunate family and they don't believe in God or they, they haven't had an opportunity to learn or like make a decision for themselves. And to me, I could always see this sense of like, yeah, we're going to be nice to them and like try to uphold our values. But there was still like this kind of like, <laughs> kind of an upturned nose towards some of those people. And that really rubbed me the wrong way because you know, some of my, oh, okay. some of the people I know and are like some of the best people and the nicest people that will always help whoever they're with and, you know, really value their families and their friends are like atheists. <laughs> so like, I mean, if we're talking like about your morals and ideals, like I don't think you need religion at all to just have good morals and like treat okay. people with respect and be a nice person. And, and to me, there's like, there gets to be a point where like that doesn't go, that doesn't fly in religion. And it's just kind of, yeah. uh, I'm also 
just kind of skeptical, I guess, a little bit about some of the, I guess you can call it rules or sins. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's sins, it's rules, like claims on divinity and claims on, you know, I heard from God, so I wrote this down and it became the Bible or yeah. the Quran or whatever. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of rules. <laughs> well, and I would argue that your faith or your spirituality is really not grounded very heavily unless you feel like you have permission to consciously and intentionally work through or confirm those doubts. Mm. Like if you don't have room for doubt and you need to be like so white knuckled, ham fisted on everything that you need to believe so you can get into heaven or the the right kind of afterlife. Yeah. And you don't get to wrestle with like, what if this is all crap? I know. I think, I think. <laughs> And what blows me away is like sometimes people are so dogmatic about it. Like, are you, if we're talking about like, let's just talk about like the textbook God of like the Christian God, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think he wouldn't want you to think about what if? You think he wouldn't want you to like ask those questions? Right. Like, yeah. I, to me, it just blows my mind. Like, people refuse to even think about the idea that what if that's not the case? Like, what if, why right. is there no skepticism there? And then, you know, the argument of like, oh, well, that's what belief is. Well, it's like, you know, we'll have some belief with some humility. A little bit like i don't know i just oh, preach it you're preaching now that's good <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> this is my that's just my take on things i i don't know i just oh yeah i think a lot of two a lot of times too is like religion is just talking in circles too because you can't change someone's mind and i think in in the terms of religion like they got to do it for themselves yeah it, it's very hard to just and that's, oh God, that's another thing I kind of hate is like, don't just like make these huge like efforts to go convert people. I just kind of hit, uh, oh, like evangelism. Yeah. Or, you know, like let's really bothers you. I mean, maybe, maybe it'll like in the right situation where like you're in a community that maybe you think needs help in that regard, even then, sure. like, who are you to decide like how that person needs to deal with their issues? Uh, yeah. That really bugs me. I, I, I don't like when people go and try to like peddle their religion to other people. It's well, I think it can be a case of, it feels like peddling. We call it peddling or like forcing religion down people's throats when when it's obvious that the person that is like proclaiming with all these flowery words about you know what's coming after death or how the universe was created like they have all these good words for what they say they believe and then it's so obvious that they don't act that way yeah yeah or believe i like bring it back to classic literature like in the scarlet letter the 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 priest through his entire story arc is consumed with guilt for sins that he's like blatantly denouncing from the pulpit, but he's doing it all in secret. You know, yeah. Th that's what we hate is when, when people say one thing and do the complete opposite. Like there, there's a phrase, especially in like Christian mystic tradition that says, preach the gospel of love and when necessary use words. And for people like that, we think of people like Mother mm. Teresa, who's just doing exactly what she feels like God has called her to. She's loving the poor and she's loving the people who are sick and impoverished. And she's just being... No, she's walking the walk. Exactly. Like it says, it's like she's doing it. And when necessary, she used the words to back yeah. it up. But you should, you should start there and not just... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head to the jungles of Africa and convert those pagans. Yeah, it's like, why? Why are you going to these other countries? It, it, to me, it's just, it's always yeah. been kind of a weird thing. And, you know, obviously I have a ton of, I have a ton of Christian friends and they're all great people. Um, oh yeah. And, yep. you know, I just, I have that respect for them 
I just want everyone to have the respect on the other side too. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, that was good. <laughs> Thanks for getting into that with me. <laughs> uh, I thought that was very fun. Is there anything else you want me to ask? Like, were there any questions that you were expecting or is there anything else you want to talk about that we haven't touched on yet? Um, what have you been watching? What have I been watching? Yeah. What have you been watching during quarantine? Oh man, I just finished watching Queer Eye. Oh, okay. Okay. Which was fantastic. Seen a couple episodes. I've been watching This Is Us with my sister-in-law. Ah, uh, watched a season of that as well. Getting into the uh, the drama there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Community is on Netflix. <laughs> I've kind of been working my way through that show. Sure. I think that show is the best when Donald Glover is in it. Oh, yeah. I love Donald Glover. And he leaves in like the last season or two and really takes it downhill. You, you got to watch Atlanta, man. You heard of Atlanta on FX? No, I haven't. I think it's on Hulu now. Or it's oh, not okay. on Hulu, but it's it's about yeah. like, or I guess Donald Glover wrote it. He's been direct, and he 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 acts in it as well. But yeah, pretty dang, pretty dang good. Let's see what else am I? I just finished the Lego Masters. Lego a, Masters. Yeah, it's a reality show, like a reality competition show hosted by Will Arnett, and it's, it's oh no way, people building Legos. That's amazing, especially Dude, the it, fact that Will Arnett was like, yeah, let's do that. yeah and he was the voice of lego batman oh that's so funny like that's his thing uh yeah it's a lot of shows Mm. i'm also on another rewatch of the office oh gosh i'm so anti-office man (laughs) that's all right what i'm doing with it though is uh two of the actresses that are in the show started a podcast that go week by week and watch it and talk really stories and their experience on the show so following along on that i'm not really this feels bad to say, especially to you, but I'm not really a movie fan. That's fine. I mean, to be honest, man, a lot of the time, hard. like it feels, it feels hypocritical because it's like, I have the attention span to sit through all seven seasons of Game of Thrones, but, <laughs> but not a movie, but yeah, if it gets longer than 90 minutes, I'm like, I don't know if I want to spend that much time just sitting here. Yeah. Yeah. Even I know I can watch like three Game of Thrones episodes in a row. Yeah. I'm with you. I don't way. know what that I is. Think, I think streaming, especially now, is just getting so good, man. Yeah, I mean, right? I, I just finished up Westworld, uh, the new season of Westworld that came out. Yeah, dude. And like Game of Thrones, like it is nice. It's you can sit down, you watch an hour of it and you're just with the characters longer, which I, I really like. Allows you to invest in characters. And yeah, yeah. Really. I mean, the complex storytelling, you know, you watch a character. I mean, Breaking Bad, for example, like three seasons into Breaking Bad. And if Walter does something, it's like got you on the edge of your seat because it's like this could affect. You have you a know. sense of his motivations now. Yeah. Yeah, you know who he is. It's a lot harder to do that in like an hour and a half opposed to 18 yeah. straight hours of drag. And that's that's always a challenge for films that are done really well. They have to import you into whatever their premise is as quickly as possible and force you to accept it and also show enough moments to connect you to the characters so that you actually care about those characters like if they die or mm-hmm. <laughs> if they get sick or something. Like one of the, I don't know how you feel about it, but one of the films that I thought that did this just so masterfully was a quiet place oh yeah yeah that's a pretty good movie john krasinski directing that just forces you to accept that there's aliens on this planet now that travel by sound that are hypersensitive to sound yep and like all of a sudden just the fact that it's you know it's a family and there's little kids and in the first two minutes a child dies it's like (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I'm connected because these people are going through really hard stuff already. Exactly. I watched a movie like that uh, two days ago called Midsummer. You heard of that? 
movie? I have not. Uh, it's like an A24 movie about a cult. And, oh, uh, okay. It's about this like girl's experience when she goes to like this Swedish cult with her boyfriend and her failing relationship with her boyfriend and, and his friends. And it's oh, like, wow. same thing, same thing. You're just like, you're immediately invested in her character. Well, and you, yeah, it's and really good for that reason. That That's a real art for a director is force me to accept your premise quickly because otherwise I'm going to have such a hard time through this film, yeah. you know? I mean, one of the, one of the parts, like when I was in California last summer, it was like, you see those people that like the guy that shot Handmaid's Tale was in and the DP that shot mid nineties would come in a lot. And the guy that would show like Life of Pi, like huge cinematographers would Jeez. be in there and you'd get to see him work. And you're just like, after you watch him, you're like, wow, I am so far away. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm so far away from yeah. so much to learn still before you go to f- school for four years, but like you need to be on set for like double that to know what right. some of these guys know. And I don't know, it's, it's always impressive to me to see, I mean, Oscar movies and all that, just how freaking talented everyone is and how much time right. it takes. It's just like amazing to me. But yeah, okay. impressive. Are there some big names, especially in like director of photography and cinematography that you like to check in on? Like, Oh yeah. Okay. So give me three names of guys that fall in that role that if you know that they shot that film, you're going to go see that film no matter what. Yeah. Uh, I think the most like obvious one is Roger Deakins just because okay. he shoots, I mean, like I loved Blade Runner. And that's the guy we talked about that shot 1917 too. And okay, um, yeah. the Coen brothers. So anything that he shoots, I always like to go see because he's also like his upbringing from what I've learned is like he taught himself everything, like in terms of lighting oh, stuff. Wow. And, wow. And, uh, I mean, he just has such a cool style. And then also like Greg Frazier shot Rogue One. He's going to be shooting Dune, the new Dune movie. Um, Heck yeah. He does a lot of like bigger budget blockbuster stuff. And yeah. uh, I think the third one for me is Christopher Doyle, which is like, he's shot that movie I told you about in Hong Kong. And uh, he basically, oh, yep. he's like an Australian DP that lives in, has lived in Hong Kong for like, I think close to his whole life. But everything wow. he shoots, I make it a point to watch because to me, he, it's weird. Like you'll watch his movies and, and the way his, the camera moves in them is just so immersive. Like it looks like he's just holding it and just and just whipping back to what he wants to look at in the scene and and that to me is like oh, okay. so cool like you know you get to see like you know he's shooting in the middle of a Hong Kong like fish market and the camera is just bouncing everywhere but it's like so beautiful and fluid and and you know not forced it just seems so natural like what your oh. eyes would be looking at and i think that's okay. like way easier said than done to do oh yeah but i just like i just love his i love him and who he is and what he shoots and how does it compare to like the mockumentary style of how they shot the office uh, kind of similar oh no 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 no. way way more like way more driven he he basically oh, okay. does he basically does like he does narrative and documentary but oh, like okay i uh, gotcha he doesn't do like primetime television or television shows. He's he's mainly like, you know, following these characters around and stuff is, is more of like, a, I, yeah, there's definitely more of like an artistic aspect toward it because like with The Office, it seems like to me like they're trying to emulate like a, almost like a workplace video, you know? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I, I, I get what you're saying though with like style of like The Office related to that. But yeah, it's like definitely sh- shoulder mounted camera. They're just kind of whipping around. And, yeah. But, but you see, you can feel the camera. You can feel the camera in The Office, right? Yep. It's there, but I think the difference is like it, oh, okay. in the stuff that he shoots, you don't you don't feel the camera at all. I and, see. And to me, that's like that. If I could achieve that one time in my life, like I would be so happy. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Um, 
is there is there a bucket list of if your wildest dreams were met who are like three directors that you would love to work with oh man luca guardadino probably he shot uh call me by your name uh and barry jenkins uh he shot moonlight and uh if beale street could talk he's amazing and probably Wong Kar Wai he's a Japanese director huh. and then Greta Gerwig I, w- I would love to work with Greta Gerwig she okay. did like Little Women and Lady Bird and oh so good okay yeah I love those movies man I love yeah and then obviously I mean I don't know there's I mean anyone like literally just anyone like that that's like making yeah. stuff like that Spike Jones, like anyone <laughs> a bucket list a mile long <laughs> right on to wind us down real quick, I'm curious to ask what you are currently reading. Right now, my friend Jess gave me a play, actually, that I've been reading by uh, Samuel Beckett called Waiting for a Godot. So I've been like reading this play and then I've st- I'm like five or six chapters in the East of Eden by uh, Steinbeck. What are you listening to? Let's start with music. Like what, what do you play when you open your favorite music app? I have very, very genres. Like I go through like, I'll listen to jazz for a week and then I'll like pivot over to like Kanye West and uh, like uh, Sonder. And I also like, if I watch a movie with like a really good soundtrack, like I, I, I do listen to a lot of soundtracks just in general. And a lot of times like that's kind of why it's like, this is a soundtrack isn't just going to be like one genre. So there'll be a mixture, a mixed bag. That's music then. What about podcasts? Oh, see, podcasts are tricky for me. I I went through a phase where I really liked like NPR and uh, yeah, ninety nine percent invisible. But uh, these days, like if I do watch podcasts, it's like Chris D'Elia's uh, Congratulations podcast or like Joe Rogan. Just you know, something to kind of just like have on. This has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you for being on the show. Hey man, thanks for having me. Would you read our favorite quote for the podcast to close us out? The only normal people you know are the ones you don't know very well. Thank you.